What is up, everyone? This is Avery Smith, creator of Data Career Jumpstart and Snow Data Science. And welcome back to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that gives you, the data enthusiast, the tools you need to build an amazing data career. Whether that's breaking into data science, landing a senior data position, or building a new data team or product, this podcast is here to help you. Episode 20, guys, we did it. We made it to 20. Great, great guest today, Michael DiBagnino, who is the head of business at Flow Immersive. Super cool guy, super cool company. Flow Immersive is a software company that's developing the next generation of data visualization and storytelling products. Basically, it's like if Tableau and PowerPoint had a baby, that's what you'd get. And you give it the ability and the superpower to jump inside of VR, which is virtual reality, or AR, which is augmented reality. That's basically Flow Immersive. Got a chance to look at it today a little bit closer and get a feel for the product and see a couple of use cases. And I love it. I'm super sold. Uh, I think it has really cool potential. I think it's very fascinating. I think it's very effective for communication. So really cool product. Um, you can go to flowimmersive.com to learn more and sign up for beta testing and the wait list for the public release. Definitely should do that because it's it'll wow your bosses. It'll wow recruiters. You definitely want to be using this product. It was also really good to talk to Michael about his career. We talked about how taking risks, calculated risks, and having escape plans has helped him in his career. We've talked about the role social media has played, especially TikTok. Um, we, we even joked that you can learn more on TikTok than you can at MIT. Um, stay to the end of the podcast to hear him joke about that. Um, but I mean, it is a joke. There's something to be said about traditional education and how it is becoming a little bit outdated. Um, I love college. I have a bachelor's in chemical engineering and a master's in data analytics, but it is not a diploma that gets you a good career. It is the ability to prove your worth. And you can prove your worth really well by building a personal brand, having a portfolio website, uh, having a social media uh, influence. And that's all the stuff we teach in Data Career Jumpstart. And that's why, I mean, it's not a master's degree, but it, you can learn and improve your career so much by taking that course. So if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check out datacareerjumpstart.com. This is my data science and personal brand boot camp. Um, okay, so that's the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And then actually, don't skip the, the sponsorship, though, because right after the sponsorship, you can hear my new intro for the interviews that I'll be doing. I made a little video intro for when we do the interviews. So hear that, and then we'll go into the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey everyone, what's up? Happy, what's today? Happy Friday, almost the uh, end of the week. I'm gonna move my mic a little bit closer so you can hear me a little bit better. Um, stoked to be with you this Friday afternoon. We have an awesome guest. Um, super excited about it. Um, basically a celebrity, at least if you're on TikTok. <laughs> On data TikTok, which maybe is a little, a little, a little niche. <laughs> uh, but we have, uh, I'm going to pull him up here. There we go. We have Michael, and I'm going to say his name wrong again, his last name, Dibenigno. How do you say it one more time? Uh, Dibenigno. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Very, is that like Very Italian or something? It is, yes. Very Means, cool uh, last name. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. 
Um, so anyways, Michael's really awesome. I have this quick bio for him. Um, Michael is the head of business at Flow Immersive, which is a revolutionary AR immersive data visualization and storytelling platform. Um, like I said, he's also TikTok famous for his awesome short clips on explaining data analysis stories in 3D augmented reality. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree from Vanderbilt and then an MBA from MIT, that MIT. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, he's been a consultant at Deloitte, helping companies to use tech to drive value in the past. And he's even led a team to teach a robot to paint. So Michael, welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Avery, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's super good to be with you. If you guys haven't seen uh, Michael's videos or seen Flow Immersive yet, um, you'll have the chance to today, from what I understand. We'll have a little bit of a demo. Um, but yeah, first, let's start there. Tell us about Flow Immersive. What exactly is it? And for those who haven't seen it, maybe we can take a look at it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through just like a quick overview here of, of what Flow is. But at a very high level, you know, what we believe is that more data is not going to change the world but more effectively communicating with the data that we have is how we start to push society forward. And so that's true both in the enterprise, but also, you know, in the public domain, the, um, you know, I think climate change is sort of a perfect example of that. Adding more data into the climate change repository, probably not going to change things very much, but if we can more effectively communicate to leaders, to influencers with that information and the insight of what to do next, that's how we start to push things forward. And so we see this divide in the world essentially where, there's a lot of data and we sort of assume that it's just going to, a decision is just going to happen, but decisions are still made by people and they're still convinced and informed by data. Um, and so that's really what we're trying to empower. And we see that as sort of the, the major gap. Um, and so, yeah, I can go through a little bit more here um, through the screen share. Um, so, you know, ultimately uh, what I'm showing you is flow. Uh, so, so the idea, you can see my face, you can see that the content at the same time, um, and this also works into AR and VR and all of the extended technologies. So, so ultimately what we're solving for are sort of three fundamental data communication problems. One is levels of engagement at a meeting. Is your audience actually paying attention or are they on their phone doing something else? Two is levels of understanding. Do they really understand these mental models that you're trying to convey when it has some complexity? And then three is levels of interaction. Um, typically calls and like this, it's sort of one to many. I'm presenting out, um, but it's actually enable people to interact with the contents during the meeting. That's how you start to bring people along. And so by solving for these things, we essentially can help drive better, better data-driven decisions and in a sales use case, more sales conversions. Um, and so ultimately it's, it's through data storytelling that we do this. And so data storytelling fills this niche, which is the um, adding a narrative onto data visualization. So if you think of like PowerPoint as sort of a narrative uh, version, and then we can think of Tableau as sort of like the data visualization. It's basically a merging of those two together to add the empathy layer of the narrative with the visualization layer, which is more of the, the logical side. So it's it's those two things combined which, which drive data storytelling. And so that's really what we are. We're a data storytelling platform at the, at the end of the day. And so the response on TikTok has been amazing. Um, and, you know, just to illustrate here and maybe get you involved here, um, this was a, a, a map back in uh, 2016 that Donald Trump would say like the whole country voted red. Um, and you can see the, the distribution. This is a county by county level uh, election results from 2020. And the counter yeah. that was that, you know, land doesn't vote, people vote. Um, and so if we adjust the size of these bars based on the number of votes cast, we see a very different story emerge. 
And so what I'm going to do, I think this is going to be funny for you. I'm going to actually uh, have you join. I didn't, I didn't prompt you, <laughs> prompt you beforehand, um, but I just put a link into the chat window. And I'm not sure if anyone's on live, but if you actually want to join on your cell phone, if you open the camera of your uh, phone and point it to that QR code, you can actually join this session live. Oh, that is cool. Be in here. Um, and I'll actually join on my phone too, just so you can see see a bit of what this looks like. Um, yeah, so if you're watching, it's... go ahead and uh, use your phone. Hopefully you're on a computer and you have your phone available and scan that QR code and let's see let's see what happens. I'm joining via the, the special link <laughs> that Michael sent me. Yeah, so let me, uh... Ooh, select my username. Okay, Avery. All right, so, cool. I'm starting to see some people join, or I see two people. So we got John on a phone and then Avery. There you are. So so this idea that we're in the same scene um, and part of the same multi-user meeting, you know, this is starting to hint towards where we're leaning towards, right? So you're seeing all the augmented reality type stuff that we post online. Um, but a majority of our customers today really use sort of more of the flat screen version. So being practical today is really important to us. And so this idea that you can interact with the data, um, I'm not sure if you're still in the scene, but if you can, you can click on data points uh, to pull up additional information. Um, and this idea that we can sort of see each other in the scene, you know, it's empowering to someone that doesn't necessarily have deep understanding or expertise on the data, that they can literally just point to something and ask about it is a very empowering thing. So that's sort of hinting towards what we're, what we're you know, building towards and, and some of the interaction models that you might not see um, on sort of the, the posts that we, uh, or the, some of the posts I put on TikTok and, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I would love to get your, your take and, and questions that you have from this. Okay, I had to put my, my camera back on the stream because I am blown away. This is really cool. Um, this is insane, guys, for everyone who's, who's not in there. Nope, still there. I clicked the wrong button. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh-huh. Okay, sorry, everyone. Okay. Uh, I clicked the wrong button. This is, this is really cool. Um, like, this is, this is crazy where it's like, I can see where your mouse is going and what you're looking at inside of the data full screen. Um, and like, there can be multiple right. people there. And even just like, even when you were just presenting, um, just the fact that you have like the data behind you and your right. face there, th that's like, I mean... PowerPoint should have that. <laughs> Any sort of yeah. presentation tool should have that. Um, but to have Agreed. that with data, I think is really interesting because it becomes, it also becomes, I mean, this is what you said earlier. You're combining something like Tableau and PowerPoints together, but it also becomes a point where it's like, oh, I can actually do analysis with the person in the room. Like it's not like a static graph. If they have a question, right. we can go and answer it. Yeah, it's a bit exploratory. You can explore the content together and and, and find some of those insights. Um, I do think the majority of the use cases we're really seeing today, it's more directed where it's a, a story that someone has planned already that they're presenting upwards to executives or outwards to a larger audience. Um, but we definitely have other features that we're, we're pushing that are a little bit more exploratory. 
um, that allow sort of that exploration of data during the, the meeting. Um, so, so yeah, you're getting, I'm sort of giving you a, <laughs> a lot of like little pieces that you probably didn't see online um, because I think that the AR aspect is really cool. You know, there's a, yeah. a cool aspect to it. And my uh, business partner, you know, has this great quote when he talks about cool. He says, cool is like a technical term and it means mastering control. So if you think about like the, a cool skateboard trick or, or BMW, it's about feeling that, that sense of control and confidence and mastery over something. And so when you're in AR and you're actually moving around and you feel this mastery of the content around you, it's it sort of, you know, the, the name flow is actually about, you know, being in the state of flow that you're sort of in this, this altered state where your, your, um, your mental capacity is peaked and, um, and yeah, so that that's sort of a little bit more of the the ethos is what of what we're after in some sense. Um, so, so yeah. Anyways, I think uh, I always think it's funny that he tries to codify cool as as a technical term, uh, but I think there is some truth to it in terms of um, you know what we're what we're really trying to enable and trying to decipher what people really mean when they see the the cool AR visualizations and why they why it clicks with them. You know, I think our our mental models are three D in na in nature, and we sort of have have forced our, ourselves to think in two dimensions. And when you reactivate it, it really does codify in your mind in a very different way. I guarantee this map that I'm you know, showing you here, that you're gonna, that visual is gonna stick with you in, a, in an interesting way where your understanding of the globe and, and your understanding of the information, it, it, it sticks in a very different way. And especially when it's in AR VR, where it's actually in the room with you um, is, is pretty powerful. Um, so yeah, anyways, I'll stop there. And, and there's lots of other visualizations we can go through. I've no, no shortage of, of visualizations we could, we could talk through, which could be fun. Well, well I, think it's, I think it's fascinating because, um, you know, we have been stuck. Um, one of my heroes uh, is Edward Tufte. He's kind of the, the godfather of data visualization. Yes. I have, I guess I have, I don't have his new book, but I have his four other books sitting right there on my shelf. And he has this, you know, this term that he talks about called flatland. And that's what we're stuck in when we've done data visualization. And he's talking about two dimensions. Um, and he's, he's a big fan, or I guess he's, what's the opposite of a fan? He's not a big fan of 3D data visualizations because they often are very confusing and they don't add anything really. Right. But, but the, and that, that's 3D being projected onto 2D, like a piece of paper right. or a monitor. But what you're doing with Flow Immersive is you're kind of making you're making a comeback for 3D plots. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a very controversial topic. So it's almost I find that the more people are ingrained in sort of traditional data viz, the more immediate the reaction of like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. But what's interesting is especially when you're in AR VR and the tech is essentially three dimensions already. Um, you're by looking at 2D content in a 3D environment, it's sort of defeats the purpose in some sense. It actually feels way more intuitive when it's all around you um, yeah. in a 3D sense. But I do agree that, you know, presenting things onto a flat screen like this, like what I'm doing here and what a majority of, you know, our customers typically do, doing 3D just for the sake of 3D is not valuable. You know, geospatial is a very easy one to understand in terms of the, the value add you can do here. But I think there's other elements to like storytelling. You know, one is like looking at, like this is a network graph of, of uh, of a, a reproduction value for, for COVID. And this is sort of the mathematical model of, of how disease propagates. And anyways, I can go further on this, on this topic, but um, this idea that, you know, what are you gaining from the, the third dimension? And I think it's, it's an element to allowing more space. So you have literally 
more space to put things. Um, but there's also elements of storytelling. You know, the idea that you can animate things over time, that you can move the camera. You know, all of these elements play together. So it's not just the 3D that we're doing. It's really that in combination with all these different storytelling mechanics that really bring the story to life. So I, I think of it that way as opposed to, a, you know, the, the 3D is the only thing we're, we're adding. I think 3D adds value in, in many cases, but there are definitely instances where, you know, 2D visualization is, is actually preferred. Um, and, and I think that is fine. Um, and it's, it's a little bit more about some of the storytelling techniques that, that also play a, a big role in there. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely true because data visualization and communication and storytelling go hand in hand. And I'm yeah. glad I'm glad that you showed me. So, I mean, for everyone who didn't know, I found Michael through his TikToks and his TikToks most of the time are like augmented reality, 3D, walking in data. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. But one of the questions says is like, okay, when would I use that? Like, when do I want to walk through the data? I do agree that network charts, I think, are a good example. Um, I think when you're doing some sort of uh, dimensionality reduction, like PCA or any sort of clustering, I could see myself using it. Yeah. But I didn't realize that Flow had this other component of like the PowerPoint style, um, like more fluid uh, storytelling. Um, that's yeah. another thing that, that Tufty talks about is... He, he talks about his disdain for PowerPoint um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and how it's not effective. And I just think flows seems like a really good solution for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And I, I totally agree. And, you know, one element here, let me just show one example of. Uh, yes, please do. You know, something where there's sort of like a, a 3D element to it um, and, you know, where it adds value. So here what we're looking at is total capacity. So Hold on one see... second, one second, one oh, second, sure. second. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just yeah, want yeah. to tell you. I was in Texas. I lived in Texas when this happened. So this is this oh, is close were? to home. Yeah, oh, wow. it was. Okay. We were like three days without power. It was miserable. So sorry. Oh, keep going. Just had to throw. No, it it's. Yeah, I feel like the story just passed a bit, and I'm still. Anyways, I I still think there's so much more to, yeah. to talk about, but but one of the things, and this is more on just like the elements of like the the 3D nature. You know what we can do here is build a graph that is showing the component parts of the whole. Um, and being able to show it stepwise like this. Now, normally you could put this all together or show it as a stacked bar chart. Stacked bar charts don't quite hold up as well when you want to look at individual contributions. Yeah. And so, you know, this is sort of a somewhat of a unique view, and I can show you lots of others that, that really are unique in the 3D space that we're always experimenting with. But in, in many regards, it's sort of a um, an open territory where, where we really haven't focused that much on what this can enable. Uh, but, you know, this is just one example of seeing the breakdown, in this case, the breakdown of uh, power generation and the different component parts of it. And then how each of those have either increased or decreased over time um, or not over time, but within this time period during the the, uh, the power outage. So obviously, I'm not telling the whole story. here. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more to it that I think is really, really interesting. Are, and valuable, are you but, clicking uh, a button or how is it transitioning? Uh, yeah, I'm just clicking. I'm clicking the next button, um, which it, is just down here. It has that nice gradual flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's always animations between steps. Cool. Um, yeah. I can actually show you how we build these because one of the big things that we've been really pushing hard on and, and why I'm not posting <laughs> videos as often is, is because we're really working on the, the product and the tool to allow anyone to build these themselves. Um, and so that's been a huge undertaking and we're really excited by the response. You know, we have a wait list that's of people wanting, wanting to get into the platform. And so we're going to be starting bringing um, a few, a few private beta users in July 6th 
And then from there, in a few months, uh, planning mid-September, sort of a larger public release. Um, but we're really excited to see where people can start to take the platform and, and the different stories that this starts to enable. Um, you know, I think my goal is not for me to be sort of the only, you know, data guy on TikTok, but to see a lot of people starting to post this type of content and, and starting to engage with data as sort of a, a core element. So that's the ultimate dream is where there's lots of lots of data guys and gals and, and everyone doing uh, you know, visualizations and really having conversations around data. And I think it's in some sense, COVID was actually sort of a, a huge catalyst for yes. data visualization. You know, yes. there's not too often where too many times in our life where, you know, the president's like just holding up, you know, pieces of paper with, with data visualizations on them. And even if he was interpreting them in different ways, the, uh, yeah, just this idea that it, it was part of our consciousness because we wanted to know what was going on. And we realized that the data was the way to understand what was actually going on versus sort of the antidotal, you know, stories that you'd hear. I think sort of the, the antidote's dead in some sense and the data's there to, to help you fill in sort of the larger picture. Can you imagine uh, seeing a president in one of those, like just like you just did, like presenting with data behind them and and showing oh, them? Yeah. That would be cool. That's, I guess that's the next step for Flow, huh? Yeah. You know, some of our uh, biggest, one of our biggest customers is the United Nations. Um, oh, wow. So we actually were, part of our software was used last year for uh, the General Assembly for oh, a portion cool. of it, which was really, I mean, it was just an incredible moment. Very stressful, yeah. but very, very <laughs> important uh, to, to be able to be part of that. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, so, so definitely applicable there um, without a doubt. So, yeah. And um, where where can people go to learn more? Is it flowimmersive.com? Is that the best place to go? That is the best place to go. Yes. So you'll you'll see a sign up list there for the wait list, see videos, and you can actually interact with all of these flows. They're they're public um, on our, our website. So you can actually go there and interact with them. You can actually even host a meeting with them. So you could actually do exactly what I did where you oh, host cool. a meeting and, and go through it. Um, most of them have just like an invite button on the lower left-hand side. And that's how you essentially start start one of these visualizations. Um, yeah. And uh, okay. yeah, so I can try to think where to, where to go here. Part of me wants to show you this experimental one I, I built that I don't think people have really seen, or I haven't, I haven't published it really. Ooh. Um, so let me, really I, can access, bring it I think it's, I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Let's look at it. Just a sec to find it again. Yeah, I want early access, Michael. I'll do what I need to. <laughs> yeah, let, let get you because it yeah, seems uh, pretty sweet. Thanks. Um, let's see. I could, I could almost seeing be see this being as revolutionary as as like Tableau, just because. I mean, when Tableau came out, it just gave data visualization powers. I don't yeah. know. If, and also, I guess I shouldn't say Tableau. I should just say drag and drop graph sure. making. That's not basically Excel. Um, just just, just easy graph making. Um, just because I think what Tableau did for dashboards and mostly dashboards, because they don't even, most people don't even do standard or just standalone data visualization on Tableau. I think you guys could do for data stories because it definitely has, and I, I'm going to use the, the title again, definitely has more flow than Tableau. Tableau, if you want to change the narrative or change the story, you're clicking down onto like a new tab and it's like a, it's a hard, um, 
it's a hard change, but you guys have that soft transition. Anyways, I think it could be yeah. really cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think they, you know, in some sense they pioneered sort of not pioneered, but they uh, exemplified this idea of, of more data analysis. And we think of it, I think of it more in terms of exploration and analysis. You build these dashboards, which people can go in and explore and find insights. But what we found is that there's a missing component there. People publish dashboards and then the person that actually wanted the dashboard realizes they didn't actually want a dashboard. What they wanted was someone to give them the answer. Yeah. They the commentary the analysis and then present back to them, not a dashboard. So I think in some sense, dashboards actually have, have sort of proven out to be not ideal forms of communication. They're great yes. for analysis. And if you're operational and doing something every day, totally. But if you need to present insights or tell a story, sending someone a dashboard and hoping they figure it out themselves. I mean, it's sort of like good luck. And, and I think the other thing is I sort of, I, um, I ran into this way often in the consulting world was uh, copying and pasting screenshots of Tableau, pasting <laughs> yeah. it in PowerPoint, and then circling and adding annotations. And yes. yeah, it just feels very like there's got to be a better way, right? Yes. And that's, that's I think, a, a huge element to it. So I'm glad you're sort of seeing that that component because I think, you know, the analysis portion is, is hugely valuable. And I think that the missing element was really the storytelling component. And that's yep. that's that gap that we're hoping to, to fill. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. You have a, a codified idea of it. So let me... I'm going to show you this real quick. Yes, um, let's see. Um, okay. We, we so, did have a comment that I like. It's like Tableau with flow. It rhymes even. I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Okay. So what we're looking at here is a 24-hour clock. So so just focus on the, the circle at first here. And so you'll see this is midnight. This is noon. So we're, we're going around the clock. Um, so basically, you can think of this as almost like a time passing as it as it goes by that we're seeing time pass. And so the other axis here is number of days. So this is a seven week period. Um, and this is, we had a, I had my first child here early January. And so we, we tracked all of the, the bottle feeds, diaper changes, breastfeeding sessions and uh, graphed it. And so when you look at it like this, I feel like, I, I don't know, I've never seen one. I was experimenting with this idea of using polar coordinates, but also having some animation. And it, you know, it reminds me of the, uh, you know, those little like uh, toy boxes with like a ballerina or like little music yeah. boxes with the yeah. piano player. It sort of reminds me of that. But the big difference is that this is, you know, chronological over time. But you can really sort of see the, you know, I guess in some sense, the never ending uh, onslaught of baby management during the day <laughs> with yeah, brief wow. periods of sleep here. And this is the pink, the yellow is when I started to intervene here and uh, allowed my, my partner to get more more sleep. But um but anyways, you know, I just wanted to share that because I haven't shown I haven't shown this one That's cool. for the rotating like this view. But I feel like there's yeah. Anyways, that's what I mean when I say like it's sort of it's a very untapped space in terms yes. of the potential to tell stories. And while I think there's things I could improve on this exponentially, that you know, I feel like this is starting to at least in my mind it, it allows you to interpret and see insights in a different way and communicate those insights in a new way. And you know. If anything, testament to that is not me, but more like TikTok and, and seeing people's response to these videos because it seems like things are clicking in a different way. Whereas if I just posted it, you know, a, a presentation online or you know, uh, you know, images of of yeah. data visualizations, it, it doesn't have that same impact. And so, so yeah, that's that's really what we're what we're about. Well, I I think that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. It's, ac it's actually cool. I had. 
Um, so I, I run an analytics firm um, as yeah. well. And one of my first projects in my analytics firm was to visualize baby data. Um, no <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so I wish, I wish, uh, yeah, I definitely did not make that type of graph. I, I'll tell you that much. Um, but that, that was really cool. Uh, thank you for, for showing that. Of course. Um, I know you got to get out of here in a little bit. Um, I sure. did want to ask you just a quick question. So this, yeah. this is, this is the data career podcast. We talk about data. Another mm -hmm. thing we talk about is careers. So I think we learned a lot about flow immersive. If you're watching, um, definitely, definitely check out flow immersive, especially in a business standpoint. Um, but just talk a little bit more about you and I guess specifically the TikTok, which is interesting, um, <laughs> is why, like, tell me about the first time you posted on TikTok one of these videos. Why did you do it? Um, a little bit just experimental. I, I, I was, I think like everyone sort of like was fascinated with TikTok in the beginning and mm -hmm. I loved it. I just think it's an amazing platform because it is, it gives people the chance to, to break out. Whereas other platforms are very dependent on your following. Yeah. Like, you know, Twitter and it's like, you, if you don't have an established following that you've been building over years, if you post something and it's great, sort of the world doesn't matter or doesn't care too much. Whereas TikTok's algorithm really prioritizes content. you know, high quality content will, has the potential to go viral. And there's not too many platforms that really allow that anymore. So I think that's one component, but you know, the interaction, the it's, there's so many fascinating things. And I feel like the most creative things I've ever seen in my life seem to always come from this app. And that's crazy, right? I mean, I feel like I'm learning more from this TikTok app than I, you know, did through all this professional schooling sometimes, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's an amazing thing. And I think the more we embrace these new technologies and how we communicate, the, the better. So, so I'm always one that embraces and, and tries new things. And I was really shocked to see a big response on, you know, one of my AR videos. And, you know, I've been, I was building that one I posted that I think it was Andrew Yang one that was the first one that like went, went a little viral. Um, you know, I had built that like a year before and. Oh, wow. And uh, not really, you know, I posted it on Twitter and a few other, but, you know, it's just some things like that. But, you know, just the, the response on TikTok was really amazing. And I think part of it is the, the platform itself. But, um, yeah, it's been fun to lean into it and just try to try to keep posting more and build that community. But I'm, I'm most excited for really getting more people in and, and seeing other other creators start to, to build data visualizations and more importantly, data stories that are important to them. Yeah, for sure. That'll be, that'll be so cool. Yeah. Um, did, did I hear you say that you've learned more from TikTok than some of your education, I including, mean, I including MIT? <laughs> you went to MIT, Michael. Do, do you learn That's more good. from TikTok than MIT? Just, just say yes or no. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't answer that. Unfortunately. No. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely different, but I feel like yeah. the, uh, it's yeah, very different, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, on the on the career side of things, you know, just to, to segue more into that, you know, I, I feel like my I feel like I'm in some sense almost part of the last generation to really emphasize schooling credentials, which I'm hopeful of, especially because I just had a kid and I'm hoping that by the time she gets to college, it's not as much of like a uh, do you have this rubber stamp of approval having gone to like a, you know, to a really top school and and essentially, I think that's more of what it's become. It's become social proof of like, oh, you have the capabilities. And I think more so, especially in tech, it's way more about what have you delivered and what can you deliver? And if you can prove that, then the, the schooling and education is just like a component. And it, we used to weed people out that way as a way to filter incoming. But, you know, if you have a 
uh, portfolio online, if you have a following, all these other attributes, you know, that's, that's, I think, more of the metric by which we assess people and, and will be in the future. And I mean, there's always going to be a tie back to, to formal education and I'm not against it, but I think, you know, overemphasizing the, the name brands, I think sometimes dilutes people's real capabilities. And, and uh, so I encourage anyone, no matter where they are, it's like, if you are a self-learner, you know, and have drive, in some sense, I think sometimes college doesn't necessarily prepare you for the specific tasks you're going to do. If anything, it, it just is a challenge to say, can you learn? Can you learn? And do you have the confidence that you can figure it out? And that confidence then will translate into anything you go into. So that's more of my perspective, I guess, on, on a little bit of university. And, um, no, I, I yeah. totally agree with you. Um, what you said 100% resonates with me. Um, I'm currently, um, so I make, I make education. I do online courses. And so I'm coming yeah. out with a big online course called Data Career Jumpstart. And the whole point is it's supposed to replace the master's degree I got, but but the whole time you're it teaches you technical things, so it teaches you like SQL and R and yeah. Python and stuff like that. But there's a whole second half of it that's the personal brand. And that's because they should go hand in hand now. While college has just, you know, taught you some of the technical stuff. But like you said, if you have skills and you can demonstrate them on an online portfolio, yeah. Their employers don't care anymore. It's like, you just need some sort of proof that you can do the things that you say you can. And if you can, for instance, if you can create, if you're, if you're applying for a data visualization job and you have, you know, some sort of portfolio on flow immersive, like look at these data stories that I created and then told yeah. that's so much more powerful than a one page diploma from university of Florida or something like that. Right. Totally. hundred percent. And it's, and I think that, communication component is getting more and more emphasized these days because just the ability to build a data visualization is somewhat like a, not anyone can do it, but the, the idea that that's not necessarily the hard part, but if you have the ability to communicate outwards, that's going to be super valuable, uh, not only to yourself, but to, to anyone you're working for. So, so yeah, I think that's sort of the, this trend in data science uh, or data in general, it's like moving towards data storytelling. Um, and I yeah. think that's definitely for the better. Well, that's where the value comes from. Like you said, the yeah. world doesn't need more data. The world needs more clearly communicated insights. That's what actually makes a difference yes. um, in the business world. Okay. Well, we'll get you out on this last question. Yeah. Um, you can, you can say whatever you want. What career advice would you give to others? What career advice would it give to others? Um, about this so this is going to be a, a boring answer but i think it's i think it's somewhat of an underlying philosophy for how i've gone about my life is that i always think about risk reward i guess uh, in terms of there's certain moments in your life where you don't have as many responsibilities and you have more appetite for risk and to embrace that risk um but you know shoot how do i phrase this um okay <laughs> this is not eloquently said but I'm, I'm like sort of thinking on the fly here i'm um, excited the um i feel like too often you know like right after college or, or sort of that that time frame there's definitely a lot of experimentation people are trying things and you take a lot of risk but at the same time if you have the ability to establish yourself at you know a, a big organization or something where you have the ability to learn more of like how the real world actually works I do think that is extremely valuable and then sets you up for success that you can always back 
You can always go back to it. And so in some sense, I, I've structured a lot of my life as like, I'm learning, I'm learning, and I'm building sort of this foundation that if my ventures and all these things that I'm, I'm trying to do all go kaput, that I, I sort of have a safety net. And <laughs> I think that's normally not a great thing to do, or I've heard sort of mixed feelings, but I guess that's been one thing I've accepted as, uh, yeah, that I wanted to have like at least a baseline layer and then feel comfortable taking risk and really going all in because it's a long track. Like we've been working on this for, you know, four or five, like a long time and mm -hmm. it hasn't been successful, right? You know, the joke is that, uh, you know, you wake up and work every day for like three years to then be an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally true because it's, it's a lot of, you know, struggle and uh, you have to get through that. And um, it's not going to be a, a quick win. So, so recognize that when you take a risk, feel like dive all in and put all your into it, but feel confident that you can spend the necessary amount of time to do it. So I know my answer was sort of all over the place there. And so maybe that's not the best advice. No, no, but, I love uh, it. That's my I love it. Take risks, but have a plan B that if it fails, you know that you're going to survive. I, I like it. Yeah. And I mean, that's more just my perspective. It's more of like, I feel more comfortable taking lots of risk and for a committed period of time when, because I know I have some sort of like skill base and something not to fall back on, but, but that I can leverage. And so, yeah, take risk, but don't, don't just like think, Oh, I'm going to start a startup and, and that's going to be the thing I do. And, and uh, yeah, anyways, it, no, I love yeah, it. I always have, always have an escape balance. route and, and drive defensively in your career. I love it. That's, but, that's okay. great. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciated talking to you. Um, really loved seeing more about Flow Immersive. Like I said, I'm excited. Yeah. I want to try it out. Um, once again, a reminder to everyone to go to flowimmersive.com and click, what does it say? It says sign up for beta, something like that, right? Yeah, I think there's like a, a grab an invite. Early access, yeah. yeah early access. Or a grab an invite, yeah. Grab an invite. Yep. yep. So check yeah. it out, guys. I'd recommend it. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. We'll definitely get you in on this uh, this early private beta and we'll love to get you, yeah, get your feedback and um, yeah, see, see what you start building. Yeah, man, I'm going to be the data guy too on TikTok. Okay? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All, right, All right, man. Talk to you later. Thank you, everyone who's watching. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. With that, the podcast episode is over. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. And also send it to someone else, a coworker, a friend, a family member that is interested in data or interested in, in career building. That would be greatly appreciated. As always, if you haven't checked it out, please go to datacareerjumpstart.com. This is my new course that I'm launching and aim to help data or help professionals transfer their careers into data careers. It's going to be an awesome course, data science bootcamp, very comprehensive at a fraction of the cost of a master's degree or regular data science bootcamp. So I'm really excited about this project. Uh, go check it out, datacareerjumpstart.com, and send it to someone that you think might be interested in having a data career. Until the next episode, guys, see you later. Bye-bye.